if I can handle it and if I can control it, I will do my best never to be a beginner. I don't like being a beginner. I don't like being like, I don't, my first time, I'm new at this. I do not like being a beginner. And some of you are thinking, oh, that sounds really insecure. You're right. You're totally right. I, I don't like it. And so I have fought like mad most of my life to not be a beginner because it's, for me, I, it's embarrassing. It's, it's part of my insecurity. I, this could be uh, learning to skateboard, riding a bike, snowboarding. This could be um, academics in school. I can just remember throughout most of my life, I never wanted to be a beginner, which meant when I was trying something and I was learning something for the first time, um, I would practice like mad by myself so that at least when I got out there, I, I, I didn't look like a beginner. I looked like I had at least been familiar with what I was practicing. Like I can remember in middle school, we all got our skateboards and we were all, all of my friends learning how to skate and we would, we would try tricks that we had no business trying, right? Uh, one of our dads, one of our friend's dads was really uh, handy and was building... Um, these, these launch ramps. <laughs> and we had no business going off of launch ramps, but we would fly down the road and try and jump off this jump. And we would just throw our skateboards and be like, oh, did you see that? Oh, I was so close. And any adult, anyone from the outside looking in at us would be like, you gotta be kidding me. This is, this is foolishness. I, to give you perspective, um, in most of my life, like, I, don't, I don't have to be like the front of the pack. Do you know what I mean? I, I, but I definitely don't wanna be a beginner. Um, I like to be somewhere in the middle, leaning towards the front. So like in school, uh, think of like, like a solid B plus. Do you know what I mean? Like that's, that's what I want to be. Unless I'm super passionate about something, then I want um, Olympic gold, you know? But, but for everything else in life, like very much just a jack of all trades, master of maybe one or two things. That, that's just who I am. That's just, as part of me, I, I, I love experiencing new things and investigating things. Hate being a beginner. And I can remember being in high school and the class was chemistry. Um, anyone else just hate chemistry? I, I, man, it was like the thorn in, in my side. I, I couldn't, I just couldn't get it. My brain, it did not make sense to me. And so uh, people would go up on the board, they'd do the problems, which I always hated walking up there because I knew like, I'm probably gonna screw this up and be an example to all the other students who get it, right? They don't need a bad example, they already know. So finally, after a while, I just, I, I looked at a couple people next to me and I, I just owned up to it. And I said, I don't get it. Like, this is new to me. This is a little confusing. Can, can you help me understand? And they were like, yeah. Actually, chemistry is really hard. There's a group of us that meet together outside of school, and we study this, and every once in a while, we meet with the teacher, and she helps connect all the dots. You should totally come. <laughs> and I went, why am I so worked up and so, like, insecure about being a beginner? And, and I just, I, I share that with you because I, I'm willing to bet I'm not the only one and I think if we're not careful, this can kind of seep or, or, or really like drift into, um, into Christianity, into our relationship with Jesus. And I think especially when it comes to reading the Bible, I think most Christians, there's this assumption that like we, we all get it and we have no questions and we've never wrestled. Those are amazing. We didn't have those back in my day. 
But I'm telling you, there's, there's steps to this along the way. And so here's what we're going to ask that everybody does for the next 10 weeks. No one likes to be a beginner, but I'm going to invite everyone to be a beginner with me. And what we're going to do is launch into a 10-week series going cover to cover in the scriptures. We're going to go and be a beginner, read it for the very first time. Some of you are like, I already have this on lockdown. I already know. Just try your best for the very first time, for fresh eyes, as if you were coming to this for the very first time, as if you had never even heard of, quote unquote, the Bible. Now, I say all this knowing that we tend to fall in about three different camps when it comes to Christianity and when it comes to reading the scriptures. Uh, The first one is this, is that this group of people, they know like the individual stories of the Bible. They probably can't place it in chronological order. Do you know what I mean? And, and maybe, maybe this is you. And if, if this is you, man, I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for coming here. But you, you would say, okay, it started out with creation, and then uh, uh, Noah built an ark, and Moses, well, I saw the prince of Egypt, so I, I've got the book Exodus on lockdown. Like, I know that. Um, you know, David was a king, but there's a guy named Samuel, and then there's one named Solomon, and I'm not quite sure what, what, how that whole thing worked out. Uh, but I know Jesus. I know Jesus, right? I got the Gospels. That's really good. And then uh, the book of Acts is the church, but I, I know like the first part right there, that's really, really good. And then uh, Paul, I think, wrote a lot of things to a lot of dysfunctional churches. So uh, then there's Revelation, and that's weird. So... Like, you don't know the difference between Elijah and Elisha. And I'm telling you, I'm so glad you're here. This is gonna be fantastic. We're all gonna learn together. It's gonna be great. There's another segment, and, and I would fall into this segment of what I would call um, Bible Jeopardy winners or champions. Uh, they could name chapter and verse for everything, and they know everything about the Bible. They, ha- they've, they have a library of books about the Bible. They read commentaries for fun. This is me. I went to grad school. I paid a lot of money to nerd out over the Bible. Like, I, I love this. I have charts and graphs in my office. I can find these things. Like, this, this is me. And the temptation or the problem that I can, lie, I can fall into, as other people can in this camp, is that, like, we're so focused on, the, on all the details that we miss the big picture. We miss the movements of God. And I, I think this will be a great series because it'll help remind us of some of those things. And then there's this thir- third group. And by the way, I'm glad you're here if you're in the second group. Then the third group is um, just kind of intimidated by it. it it's a book. It's, it's complicated. It wasn't authored in English. It's really old. There's multiple translations of it. Um, and some of you maybe even growing up had a bad experience with it. And it was used and weaponized against you or it just kind of, you know, you don't have the warm fuzzies like uh, so many of us do. And, that, and that's okay. And I'm glad you're here. And wherever camp, whatever camp you fall into, we're, we're all gonna learn something together because we're all beginners. All of us. We're all gonna be beginners for the next 10 weeks. And I'm telling you, we're gonna learn a lot, not just about us, but more specifically who our God is and what he does. So buckle up. We're going on a journey. It's going to be really, really fun. The name of our series is, um, is Rule Breakers and the Vow Keeper. And here's a hint. Uh, humanity, us, we broke the rules. Like, that's us. The Vow Keeper is going to be our God. Okay, just so we're very clear from the get-go. And we're going to start out in the book of Genesis because you always want to start in the beginning. And Genesis literally means beginnings, right? It is a book of beginnings. Now, a quick aside before we dive into our text. So if you got a Bible, open up to Genesis, put your finger right there, Genesis 1, 1. That's where we're going to start, but a quick, a quick aside. Um, Genesis is a well-known book, but it can often be misunderstood or misinterpreted by both Christians and non-Christians. Um, reading the Bible, as, as, as many of you know, is a cross-cultural experience. It's also a time-traveling experience. 
So for sake of debate, I'm just picking a number. You pick a number. Don't read into the number that I'm saying, okay? For sake of debate, let's just say, um, let's just say the, the Torah that Moses is writing down, the first five books of your Old Testament, let's just say it's 3,000 years old. If you want it to be 4,000, great. If you want it to be five, one, I, we're just picking a number, okay? Don't email me about the number. But let's just say it's 3,000 years old. Have any of you lived 3,000 years ago in the past? No. Did anyone, your native language, you, you just, out of the womb, you learned and you were taught and you spoke ancient Hebrew? Okay, so already there's a bit of an adjustment, isn't there? Any of you uh, are, are bilingual? You grow up speaking one language and, and you can speak and read in a different language? See, the Bible wasn't written in America. Speaking English. I, I know, shocking. I, I'm just saying, this is important. This is a time-traveling cross-cultural experience. So we have to put on those glasses. We have to see that with this in mind. And so imagine you, you're Moses under the guiding and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. You are writing down what's going to become the Bible. I mean, this is a big deal, but you don't write it with 2022 in mind, do you? You write it with 3,000. 3, are, are you with me? So this is super, super important. So here, here's all I want to say about this. It's number one in your notes. Um, the book of Genesis is a family history lesson, not a scientific textbook. And here's the, the million dollar question. Okay, if it's not a scientific textbook and it's a family history, what family? What history are we learning? We're learning the family of Abraham, the children of Abraham, the nations that will come from Abraham. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had? There you go. I'm one of them, and so are you. So we should read about it. This is the focus, the primary focus of the book of Genesis. The primary focus is, who are you? We're all children of Abraham. How you got here, Moses is writing, he's answering that question, how you got here. Well, you got here because you were created by God. And then the third one right there is, well, who is your God? See, your God is the creator of heaven and earth. Before there was anything, there was your God. Which, if you're, if you're an ancient Hebrew, and you're reading this, you automatically jump and you realize, wait, there are other nations that had gods. And you realize, okay, that your God was before anything. So it's not that your God made all these... No, 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 no. Your, your God created everything. And these gods are under some demonic power. Which is why Egyptians have all sorts of gods. Which is why Babylonians have all sorts of gods. But your God, as a Hebrew, was in the beginning. And your God didn't create things out of war, out of any of that stuff. Your God simply just spoke. Amen. And boom, things were created. See, Genesis is not concerned with how, but with who. And it is God Almighty. You'll see this all throughout. So I, I, I simply want to bring this up because in our post-enlightenment Western American thought, we, we has, ask these questions. And these are good questions to ask, and they're worthy of debate. But we ask questions like, was it, did God create in six literal days, or is the earth 4.5 billion years old? And so we wrestle and we debate with some of these things. Um, we also say, okay, well, where are the dinosaurs? Where do they fit in with everything? And probably the most important debatable question is, did Adam and Eve have belly buttons? The people want to know. And, and please listen to me. These are important conversations. I'm not dismissing them, but I'm saying this, when, when Moses is writing, this is not the main focus. So wherever you land on any of those questions, yes, they have belly buttons, no, they don't. You're welcome here. 
We can worship Jesus together, and maybe we can learn from one another as we discuss these things, because this is not the main, main focus of Genesis. So what is the main focus? I'm so glad you asked. Open up your Bible, Genesis chapter 1. Let's jump in. The first couple words are super important. In the beginning, what's that next word? God. What? God. It's God. Before anything else, there's God. And God created the heavens and the earth. Verse two, now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Now immediately, anyone reading this in an ancient Hebrew society or other nations would simply go, that sounds somewhat chaotic. It should be unsettling. It doesn't sound peaceful because when you read that the earth is formless and empty, when I say earth, what do you think of? A sphere, a ball. You got the green stuff, got all the blue stuff. It's this round thing. What does an earth, a sphere, a globe, the green stuff, and the round thing look like when it's formless? <laughs> oh, and not just is it formless. My Bible says it's formless and, and what? And empty. I don't even know what that looks like. That's, that's chaotic a little bit. That's unnerving. And then it says darkness was over the surface of the deep, meaning that there was water all this formless and empty thing and it was deep water and you know from an ancient society that excuse me that nothing good happens in the water people die in the water monsters are in the water and it's deep water this is insane and yet the spirit of god is in the midst hovering over the waters see this is not a, a, a peaceful thing from the beginning from the beginning there, there's some chaos in here and all your other friendly nations and neighbors, they have their own creation theories and what they think is, is about to happen. But you start reading it and you say, no, 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 this is, this is what our God did. In the beginning was God. Now, I don't know how you learned the creation story, but I learned it in a very unique and a very special way. And I'm telling you, since we're all beginners, we can all learn what it's like to experience one of the best, sorry, teaching methods there ever was. Are you ready? Stay with me. This is worth the price of admission. Behold, a flannel graph. I don't know. <laughs> Amen, brother. Amen. In the beginning, God created light. And there was light and there was darkness. See, morning and night, and God said that it was good. Day number one. Uh, imagine for a moment, and you can't possibly do this, but imagine um, light and darkness being in intertwined. What does that even, what does that even mean? This, this is God separating light and darkness. Light and darkness, he's separating it. And then day two, what do we have? Day two, we, we have this, this vault or a word that I struggled to say, firmament. <laughs> I even practiced and I can't say it. Screwed it up in the first service too. But you have this vault, this thing that separates the waters below from the waters above. How chaotic if those two things are meshed together. We're gonna separate those things. We're gonna, out of the chaos, we're gonna create order. Okay, day three, does anyone know? Does anyone know? Land and plants. Some of you know this, but we're all beginners, so you peaked. You went ahead. Shame on you. 
<laughs> this is so stupid. <laughs> Here we go. So you got all the land and you got all the plants. How chaotic if the plant grew in the land. They grow out of the land or on top of the land. Are, are you with me? Ancient Hebrew thought, right? You're like, well, they plant the seeds, you dig a hole, and technically it's under... No, 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 no. Don't Bible jeopardy me. Ancient Hebrew thought. These are not dumb people. They're simply saying God created land, and look, out of the land, what's growing on there? Flowies! The beautiful things! By the way, Valentine's Day is coming up. Yes. Quick, quick uh, public service announcement. Okay, day four, we have the sun, the moon, and the stars. Woo! Boom, baby! By the way, evening and morning, the second day, and God saw that it was good. Evening and morning, the third day, God saw that it was good. Sun, moon. This is the hardest part right here is the little the itty-bitty stars. And God saw that it was good. Day five is fascinating. You got the birds. And you got the fishies. Boom! That's a big fish. That's from, a, that's from a, a different Bible story. Um, we, got all, look, we got all these birds right here. That one's upside down. That bird's an airplane. <laughs> I don't know if you caught it. Still counts, though. You know, technically, it's, it's, not, it's a bird. Um, and you got all the fishies. Man, how chaotic if all the birds swam in the deep. How chaotic if you step back and you looked up. As soon as you walk out of this service, you look up and you saw one of these bad boys flying above you. <laughs> what is happening here? Simply, simply, our God in this chaotic, chaotic thing that is here, our God is speaking and out of chaos, he's creating order. You almost get the impression by simply reading this, and we're not even done, but simply reading this, that if God can speak and separate chaos and order and create life, surely he could do the same in my life. From the first page in the Bible. We haven't even gotten all the way through. There's just, ah, there's so much good stuff there. Okay, that's day five. The birds and the fishies. Day six was a big day. God created land animals. We got, we got the zebras. <laughs> Thank you. What am I doing with my life? Okay. Stop. <laughs> Thank you. That's a bear. I do know that's a bear. They created humanity, right? We're going to throw Adam and Eve up there, but uh, they're, they're supposed to be naked. They're not clothed. So just, just imagine they're naked, okay? Don't, don't do that. That's a joke. That's a joke. And then day seven. What happened day seven? God took a nap. And he stepped back and he said... That's good. That's really good. See, you have all these different gods that wage war. There's all this evil. There's all this chaos. There's all this hurt. There's all this pain. But, but our God simply speaks, and he creates, and, and, and he organizes things. You'll read it in the first chapter, each according to its kind. It's It's fascinating. Okay, I'm going to move this because I'm just going to stare at it and you'll stare at it all for the rest of our, our, our time this morning. 
But if you've never experienced the joys of a flannel graph, you are welcome. Your life will never be the same. Okay, let's, let's, do, uh, let's zoom in a little bit. Oh, number two in your notes, I said it multiple times, but number two, God creates order out of chaos. So here we go, we're gonna zoom in. Genesis chapter one, verse 26. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Verse 27, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Listen to this, it gets better. Verse 28, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Have you some babies? Populate the earth, fill it and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air or the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Number three in your notes, God's plan was to partner with humanity and rule over creation together. That is, that is a humbling act of God that just blows my mind. See, again, you compare your God with all the other gods of the nations. No, 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 there's no partnership here. We do not do things together. You, earth dirt thing that I create, you do what I say. The, the, the partnership here is it, it's beautiful. Who, what kind of God does this? Our God does. So everything's good. And we're in this divine place. It's just really good. But you know this, every story has a what? Has a problem, doesn't it? Here we go, Genesis chapter three. We're going to read the whole thing. Not all, We're going to read it. We're going to do it. Genesis, Genesis 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from the tree in the garden? See, planting seeds of doubt. Verse 2. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat it from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Temptation. Verse six, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. And everyone said, boo. No? Sin literally just entered the world, and you're like, eh. Boo! Yeah, thank you, thank you. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her. Ugh! And he ate it, and everyone said, boo! See, quick aside, Eve and women, for some random reason, tend to get like a bad rap in this story. And I simply want to point out, Adam was right there with her, listening in on the conversation, reaches for the apple or whatever fruit it was. I have no idea. Grabs the fruit and Adam's just like, you're pretty. <laughs> you had one rule. He's like, not even a like, hey babe, maybe we should talk about this and like pray and just see like we God really have it. None of that. Just as guilty. That's all I'm trying to say. Okay, anyways, sorry. Uh, number seven, verse seven. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made covering for themselves. See, in that moment, shame has just entered the world. Um, their, their intimacy, their trust, their safety with one another. You, you could say it, it started to die that time, that moment, that day. 
Verse 8, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees in the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He said, I heard you in the garden and I was, what's that word? I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. And God said, you are a horrible, wicked, useless excuse of a human being. From this point forward, is that what your Bible says? Mine either. He says, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree I commanded you not to eat from? And then notice the blame shifting that's going to happen here. Verse 12. The man said, the woman that you, God, put here with me. She gave me some of the fruit from the tree and I ate it. What was I to do? Hmm. Verse 13, then the Lord God said to the woman, what is it that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent that you created, God, deceived me and I ate it. It's not my fault. (laughs) Number four in your notes, I am just like Adam and Eve. And if you're hesitant on on that, I, I promise you, you are just like Adam and Eve because there are things that God has commanded you not to do and you've done them. We are sinners. We have disobeyed God. We are just like Adam and Eve. Maybe you found yourself in this process, right? Uh, you, you have a doubtful thought. Is it really, should I, is that okay if I, maybe I can get away with it. Uh, I wonder what will happen if. So you have the thought, you commit the sin, you experience the shame and you hide from God. You ever felt like, I mean, not recently, of course not, but like back in college, you would do something and you sinned against God and you felt like you couldn't belong at church. That's shame. And I'm sitting here going, what? Like that, you belong at church. (laughs) Simply because we're screwed up. We're sinful people. We belong here. That's where you say amen. There you go. There you go. God comes looking for you. Man, the amount of times that God has spoken to me and found me in, in, in worship. Unbelievable. I have a conversation with God. It's like, Steve, did you do the thing I asked you not to do? And we experience the consequence of our sin, don't we? So here's the consequence of their sin. Verse 14. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust in all, or all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. This is a prophecy that's foreshadowing what Jesus is gonna do his death, resurrection, when Jesus pulls off Easter. See, Satan thinks he wins because he strikes at the heel. Our Jesus, our God, conquers sin and death. That's crushing the head. It's amazing, but, but we're not there in the story yet. This is just week one. We'll get there. Verse 16, to the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Do you remember the the command that God gave earlier? He said, hey, be fruitful and multiply. They're still doing it. Eve is gonna be the mother of of, of humanity. God is still using her. That thing, that commitment, that command, that is still alive and well. It's just, there's now a consequence of sin, which means it's gonna be a painful process. And every mom said, yes, it was. Let's look at Adam. To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate the fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. 
Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. And it will produce thorns and thistles for you. And you will eat the plants of the field. Remember, God said, I created all these things for you. You can rule over them. Subdue the earth. Eat the food. It's delicious. And anyone who works in the agricultural industry nods their heads and goes, yeah, this is really hard now. There are all of those things. By the sweat of your brow. I mean, this, this, is, this is heavy. Verse 19, by the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since, it's, since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. See, they're facing the consequences of their sins. Verse 20, Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all the living. And listen to this, verse 21, the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. Understand the compassion. Understand the the intimacy of, of Adam and Eve and their relationship to God. God has just exposed their sin. They're facing the consequences of their sin. And, and what, what is our God doing? He's knitting together. He's, he's providing for them. He's delicately taking care of them, positioning them so that they can live well amongst the consequences of their sin. The, this is not an angry God compared to all the other nations. What do those gods do when, when they're disobeyed? They stomp them out. This God says, no, we're going to be faithful to the commands that I have given you. <laughs> this is unbelievable. So this is just the beginning of the story, and I invited all of us to be beginners. But many of us have grown up in church, and we know, we've, we know the, the end of this thing. We know that God wins. We know that Jesus takes on our sin, the sin of humanity, pays that price on the cross. We celebrate Easter every year, his conquering of death, his resurrection. It's a big deal. And we know in the book of Revelation that we win. So here's the million dollar question. If we know of this, why is there still sin? Why is there still hurt? Why is there still pain in this very broken world? And there's a lot of theories on it and I simply wanna give you one that I think is, well, incredibly biblical, but one that gives me tremendous hope and this is our last passage and we're almost done. But it's 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. It says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Number five in your notes, every day is an opportunity for more of us to join God's kingdom. Amen. I, listen, I, I want pain and suffering to... I just want God to come and wrap it all up in a nice little bow and, and for us to move on. But I'm so glad he didn't do that before I stepped over that line of faith and said, God, I'm about living in your kingdom, not building mine. And I'm telling you that there, there is a world that every day people are coming to see that God is a good God, that they can put their faith, hope, and trust in Jesus Christ. And the work on the cross was in fact real and changes everything. Changes everything. And so what we're going to do, I'm going to invite the band to come on up. And the best way to celebrate that, I think, is with communion. So if you're streaming online, now's a good time to get your elements ready. And those of us in the building, just hold on to them. And as the band sings this song, I simply want it to just minister to you. Just take in the words, process it, and let the Holy Spirit speak to you. I can't think of what what would be a better way to wrap up the first three chapters of the book of Genesis other than simply giving everyone an opportunity to step over that line, to put your faith, hope, and trust in Jesus Christ. 
And so I'm simply gonna pray a, a, a prayer, but you can make this, it's my words, you can make it your own. And then we're gonna respond by singing. Let's bow our heads, let's come before the Lord. Father God, I see myself in Adam and Eve. I've done things that you've commanded and instructed me not to. I've sinned and I've, I've lived in the consequences of that sin. And so God, today, I acknowledge that you provided a solution and it is your son, Jesus Christ. I place my faith, my hope and trust in his work on the cross, his death and his resurrection. And I receive the new life that I get to live and walk with you and through your spirit. I don't know what all that means. I've made mistakes along the way. I'll probably make some in the future. But today, God, I step over that line. I take a back seat and I put you in the driver's seat of my life. Help me to live in your kingdom and not my own from this day forward. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. I want to encourage you to sit back, process the words as the band leads us in worship.